Mac Power Users, Episode 48, Good Reader. to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside David Sparks. How are you, David? I'm doing well, Katie. And yourself? I'm, I'm uh, doing very well. I'm interested to be diving deep into something we don't normally do and talking about an iPad app. Yeah, well, this one seems to be on everybody's radar lately. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking this episode about Goodreader, which is an app that has just kept popping up in conversation over the last several episodes. You know, we, we talked about it in conjunction with Dropbox. We talked about it with Merlin Mann. We talked about it several episodes ago. Um, I think in our note-taking app to, or, uh, show to some degree, we talked about it in, in our iPad episodes, and it just seemed like it was time to really dig deep on Goodreader. So maybe maybe not quite the marathon shows that we've been used to recently, but but hey, that's not a bad thing every now and then. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had kind of an interesting courtship with Goodreader. You know, it was $1 when the App Store first opened up for the iPad. Yes. You know, yes. So everybody bought it because it was a buck, you know. But I was using uh, air sharing and Readle Docs and, frankly, some other apps that had a better look and feel than Goodreader. It just always kind of felt to me like it was ugly. I don't know. I don't like the shade of green. I don't really care for the icon. And then when you open it up, it's, it's a lot of dials and whistles and bells and levers. And it, it just doesn't really feel, you know, I guess, Mac-like, even though that's kind of a silly term. iPad-like? Yeah, I guess. Whatever. I, you know, I just could not get into it. And then uh, I did have it on my iPad, and every time the updates come down, I'm the type of nerd that actually reads what they're updating. And, you know, they just kept every time I'd see the, the, you know, these significant updates. They add annotation. They add this. They add that. And then eventually I said, you know, I think what they got me was with the syncing thing. But uh, eventually I just realized, you know, it's just got all these great features in one place. And I started using it, and I've been using it now for about four months. You know, that's funny because my courtship with Goodreader was, was almost identical. I bought Goodreader the day I bought my iPad or the day my iPad was delivered, not, you know, really knowing why. I had this iPad. I was in the App Store. I think I had some iTunes gift cards that I was, you know, using up. I was in there buying apps for the iPad, trying to fill it up. And and this app, Goodreader, you know, kept popping up in terms of, you know, the highest apps or the most popular apps. And I wasn't really sure what it did, but it was 99 cents at the time. It was on sale. We should say, by the way, it's currently, it, its regular price is four ninety nine, and that's what it's currently priced at. Um, and I, I looked at the description, and it looked like it did some cool stuff, and it was kind of one of those things that I threw in the category of, you know, if I use this app once or twice for 99 cents, it's it's kind of worth it. So I've bought a couple of apps over the years that I kind of like call my toolbox apps that I throw in, and, you know, maybe every now and then I'll have a file that it will need to open. Um, and, and just like you, I, I threw it in there and thought, yeah, and, and didn't do a lot with it because I'm really not thrilled with the interface, although I don't know how they could make it a lot better. But it's just it's got this this kind of window to one side and then all of these these drop down menus to another. And it's it's kind of all cramped together and wasn't real thrilled with the interface. But yet things would keep popping open in it. You know, I would get an email attachment it would pop open with it. And kind of like you, I kept seeing mentions of it. And then all of a sudden I saw this mention that said, now syncs with Dropbox. And I thought, okay, now it's time to see what this can do. And uh, 
the thing that I really was trying to get a, around is I absolute hate this iTunes Tango that we have to go through. I hate this document sync on the iPad to to plug into iTunes and have to manipulate documents and end up with multiple copies. And, you know, the, the holy grail of this is to try to sync documents wirelessly, effortlessly between your Mac and your iPad without ending up with multiple copies. And I think we figured that out. Yeah, I mean... And there's a lot of ways to sync documents to these iPad readers. I mean, Goodreader doesn't have a monopoly on this. If you have a Dropbox account, and that was the last show, um, you can feed documents to most legitimate you know, PDF readers and annotators on the iPad. But what they do, and we'll, we've got it later in the outline, is they really go in, in greater detail. They allow you to sync an entire folder, which is pretty amazing. So let's talk a little bit about just the overview of Goodreader, though. Um, like you were talking, the application is not split like a typical iPad app with you know kind of that iTunes look where you've got a small, narrow column on the left and you've got the big window on the right for managing things. It's split right down the middle, and I'm not aware of any other app that I use regularly on my iPad that does that. Yeah, it felt very awkward. Yeah, which is just kind of odd to begin with. And then... Uh, generally, the left side of the screen is the file viewer or, you know, kind of like the uh, the browser window in your traditional computer where you'd see a list of files. And the right side is a list of menus, and they all have the little disclosure triangles next to them. And if you touch any menu item, then it expands below, offering all the various features that it has. So that's kind of like the file management view of Goodreader. So when you open it up, that's what you see. And yeah. Uh, from that point, you can do a lot to get your your applications, and maybe that's what makes Goodreader so good, is that it just sees stuff everywhere and syncs to stuff everywhere. And uh, so, let's talk about that a little bit. Talk about all the places where you can get your stuff. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, getting docs into Goodreader, um, first you can use that iTunes Tango method that I hate, which is just straight USB transfer. You plug the USB cable in. And it shows up in iTunes as an application that will support documents, and you drag documents straight to it. Um, the next way that's supported is, like so many other apps, is you can sync over Wi-Fi over your local area network. So if you've got a file on your Mac, file on your iPad, you know, set it up with your, your network, and, and you can sync files that way. Now, stop there for a minute. I, and I don't know how many listeners have tried this, but there are several apps on the iPad that support this. And when you're on the same wireless network, it's really easy to set up, uh, especially on a Mac. On a Mac, you just hit, I think it's Command-K in the Finder, and it opens the connection window. And you just type in the HTTP address that Goodreader gives you, and then and then a folder opens up on your Mac that shows basically your Goodreader f- uh, file store. And you can copy files off and on there. You can create subfolders and nested folders and all the crazy stuff you like to do, which is a really good way to manage files. Another use for that is to... Um, copy that whole data store out of there if you want to make a backup copy of it. It's a good way to do it just by making that link. Have you ever done that, Katie? Um, I think so, but I, I haven't really had a need to do that because I use the other methods. Yeah, and, and I used to do this more than I do now, frankly, because they have this syncing function that I keep teasing everybody about. But uh, even at work, I have a, a Windows PC, and it works the same way, but it, of course it's Windows, so it takes about eight more steps. But once you get the link in, it's easy to copy files. So long as you're on the same network as as you know the two computers on the same network being the iPad and the computer you're linking to, with a very few steps you can set it up. And Goodreader has a good explanation of how to do that. And if you go to their website, they give you kind of step-by-step directions to do it with any operating system. 
So that's a good way to do it. So don't don't pass that one up if uh, you're in the right situation. Right. Um, the other way that you can connect is via WebDAV. So any WebDAV-supported server, which obviously includes mobile MIS iDisk, uh, or other services like Box.net and a lot of other services that use WebDAV. Not just a few services. I mean, a good, lot of good reader syncs with a huge list of various uh, uh, server lists. Right. Let's see here. I'm just wanted to open it up. Yeah. It's well. In addition to WebDAV, it also syncs with Google Box, uh, Google Docs rather. Yeah. Uh, Dropbox, SugarSync, uh, any FTP server. So if you can log in and do any any FTP or any SFTP servers. Um, and then also there there are the more traditional methods like you can save directly from email. So if you've if you've got a file and you can email it out of one application to yourself and get it into email, then you can usually open it in email because Good Reader supports that open with API. Um, and you can also do a direct web download. And Good Reader has a um, a little web browser in it, or if you know the URL, you can enter a URL directly. But you can you can go to a file on the web within Good Reader. And if it's got a download link, you can download it from the web directly into GoodReader, which I've used more often than I thought I would. Yeah. Well, another thing you can do, if you're on any website uh, in Safari, just go up to the to the address bar in the URL and insert a G before the H in the HTTP. Right. And then it opens the website in GoodReader, uh, in GoodReader which is kind of cool. Um, I don't. Did you cover Box.net? Oh, uh, Box.net is part of the web dev service. Yes. Yeah, so it... it takes that and it also connects directly to the mail server. So it's not just a question of sending a document from your mail app. You can actually have GoodReader look directly at the mail server for IMAP and POP and other popular mail services. So, I mean, there is no shortage of ways to get stuff into this application. And in addition to looking at all these services, there's a lot of different file types that it can read. Uh, you know, PDFs is what we're going to be focusing on here. Uh, but it also does text files, Microsoft Office files, HTML. Um, does it do iWork files? We have that in the outline. I haven't confirmed. Yeah, that. it does. It does iWork 08 and 09 files. Okay. It will. It will also do Safari web archives. It will do Adobe Illustrator files so long as they're saved with that PDF compatible option. Okay. And then it will do any audio or video file that is supported by the iOS. So basically, they threw the kitchen sink at this thing. Pretty much. Yeah, and you know Merlin had talked in the uh, Merlin Workflows two episode a few episodes back about how he uses GoodReader to listen to podcasts. Uh huh. I I use that too. I think it's a a way to get around the um, the download limit to some degree. Okay, so so how do you do that? Oh well, I was going to save that for my tips and tricks section, but all right. Well, I'm looking forward to that because I still haven't figured out really a reason why I need to do that. All right. Okay. And then in addition to all these ways to view files, you can also uh, manage and annotate PDFs, which is, I think, really the big reason to use GoodReader. Right. Uh, GoodReader also has some other features, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about annotating PDFs. But beyond that, uh, it also has a lot of file management features. So if you were looking for the, quote, finder in the iPad, uh, GoodReader can help serve for that. It has file management. You can add folders. You can store files within a folder structure. You can email documents in and out of folders. Uh, you can sync with servers. We'll talk a little bit about that. We talk a little bit about the types of servers that you can connect to, um, but you can actually sync documents with folders. Uh, you can even go in and you can even zip and unzip files within GoodReader. Um, so, so you can do quite a bit of file management within GoodReader that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise within the iOS. 
It's just remarkable how many tools they have in this tool belt. Right. Yeah. Um, there's also a new data protection feature that was just released with the latest version of Goodreader. Um, it does require newer hardware, so you have to have either an iPad or if you're using Goodreader for the iPhone, it only works with the iPhone 3GS or the iPod Touch 3G, um, and it only works for iOS 4.0. Um, but it does allow you to securely store documents within Goodreader. Um, it's a little tricky to set up, and they, they talk about it once you upgrade. So um, in order to confirm that you've, you've, you're using that secure data portion correctly, um, I would suggest you you read their documentation because it's a little different setup for everybody depending on whether you've upgraded or whether you've uh, been running iOS 4.0 the entire time. So check out Goodreader's uh, help section on that depending on your particular use case. And, you know, as we sat down to record this, Goodreader issued a new update. It's the update 3. Of course they did. Yeah, 3.6.0 in addition to this new data protection. It's now got the ability to flatten a PDF file so you can, like, you can flatten your annotations and markups right into it so someone gets it without those as a separate layer, which is useful. And uh, they also have symbolic PDF page labels now. But uh, getting back to security, uh, in addition to this new security, there was always some pretty good security uh, measures built into Goodreader. You can set a password lock for opening the app, which would lock everything of Goodreader out unless someone had that password. Or alternatively, you can set a separate password in the app and then you can mark any um, specific um, item or, or you know PDF as protected under the Manage Files tab of Goodreader. And then in order to open that later, you need to type in that password. So you can either set passwords for the whole app or just pieces of the app. And uh, I just thought that was a really nice feature. Some of the real magic with Goodreader is, is that settings gear at the bottom of the right pane. You know, you click on that and there's all sorts of interesting things available for uh, the various types of file uh, files and data. Right. Exactly. All right. So this may be a good time to uh, take a quick break and uh, talk about our first sponsor uh, before we start talking more about PDFs in Goodreader. Yeah. In fact, let's talk about PDFs on our Mac. Okay. Okay. So uh, our first sponsor is Smile Software, and they have a fantastic application called PDF Pen. And it comes in two varieties, you know, PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro. And we got a letter from uh, uh, listener Kathy about this app. Yeah. Kathy says, when my PC died, I lost Adobe Acrobat. And since then, I've been resisting buying PDF Pen, trying to work with the tools in preview. I could kick myself. Having wasted hours getting poor but usable results, I finally bit the bullet this morning and finished a legislative project in record time. Thank you, thank you, thank you for harping on this. I'll probably upgrade to Pro by this afternoon. Oh, Kathy. I'm sorry you waited so long. Yeah, isn't PDF Pen a, a blessing for us Mac users? I mean, we have, at this point, we have either Preview, which is free, but doesn't have enough tools to get much of anything done, or Adobe Acrobat Pro, which is like $450, and for most people, overkill. Uh, PDF Pen is $60 in the Mac App Store. So it's a, it's a fraction of the price of Adobe Acrobat Pro. And then PDF Pen Pro, which adds a table of contents and form generation and some other great tools, is just 100 bucks. Once again, still, still a, fraction, a fraction of the price. Yeah, of the price. And it's by an active Mac developer who is always pushing out updates and making this thing as best as it can be. Um, it's got built-in OCR. It's a great application. And Smile Software really has come to bat for us Mac users. 
Yeah. So whether you're managing PDFs on your Mac, you now have a complimentary tool to manage them on your iPad and Goodreader. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But we did want to thank Smile Software for their continued support of the Mac Power Users podcast. You can find more about all of their software, including PDF Pen, PDF Pen Pro, at smilesoftware.com. Okay, so uh, we've covered uh, USB transfer, getting documents in, Wi-Fi, and uh, we've we've blazed on WebDAV, you know, when we're talking about um, Dropbox. But, you know, it's not really WebDAV. Uh, we talked about DropDAV in the last show, where you can turn your Dropbox into a WebDAV server, which is pretty cool. Uh, what are the other ways you can get your documents in there? Well, my favorite way for getting documents in there... Um, is to sync my documents. So you can let me back up a little bit. My favorite way of getting my documents into Goodreader uh, is to access them through my Dropbox account, and because that's where you know these days, as we talked in our Dropbox episode, I'm now keeping my documents folder on Dropbox. So essentially, I have all of my documents on my iPad by using Goodreader in conjunction with Dropbox. But you can also not only can you access the Dropbox and get all of your documents in Goodreader, or all the documents in your Dropbox in Goodreader, you can also selectively sync certain folders within your Dropbox with Goodreader. So anything in this particular folder will be synced with Goodreader. So what I did is I took that actually a step further, and I created a folder inside my Dropbox, and I just called it iPad. You could call it Goodreader. You could call it whatever you want. Um, I probably wouldn't suggest syncing your entire Dropbox folder because keep in mind, you're going to be downloading stuff to your iPad. And, you know, I only have the 16 gig Wi-Fi version of my iPad. You know, it depends on how much free space you operate with on your iPad at any given time. But um, you can set up specific folders to sync. And as soon as I copy a file from wherever or save a file into this iPad folder on my Dropbox, it will sync. And the next time I start up Goodreader... Those files are in my iPad. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to kind of stop and think about that. So it, it used to be, and a lot of apps support this, you could look at Dropbox and you could download a file to your iPad from Dropbox. And that's amazing. Yeah, which is great. And, yeah. and then you could upload it back to Dropbox because they have this API that allows you to do this. This is a step above that. This is saying, I want you to look at this folder called, you know, PDFs in my Dropbox folder. And I want you to make it match the same folder on my iPad. And every time I start my iPad, I want you to look at both of them and, and make them sync. So, uh, theoretically, I let's say I work on seven different PDFs on my, on my Mac or my PC at work or whatever, but they're all in this one Dropbox folder. Next time I open my iPad, I hit the sync button. It looks and says, oh, there's seven new documents or seven changed documents. And it downloads all of them, so it syncs them. You know, I don't have to pick the individual ones. It just does it. So I work on my iPad for a while. Then I click the sync button again, and it sends those changes back up to Dropbox. And the next time I open on my Mac or PC, they're right there. I mean, it's, it's just so useful. And I'm guessing that's what you do. You, I, I named my folder iPad, and I just plug in there what I want to have on my iPad. But you, you have an entire folder where you save PDF so that you have everything in there. How, what is, what is your structure? Okay, so I've got a, a couple of things. I've got one called. I've got four currently that I think I have okay. one called Personal, and that's on my uh, personal Dropbox space, and one called Music, which with sheet music because I'm always uh, putting sheet music to my iPad for when I play the piano, and uh, also my um. Uh, what's that app called again on my iPhone? Um, 
want the four buttons, you blow, whatever. Anyway, so I get sheet music for that, too. Oh, Smewling. Yeah, Smule. It's Smule's Smule. out, but I forget the name yeah. of it now. It's oh, Ocarina. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ocarina. Yeah. So I'm trying to get better at Ocarina, so I've got music in there, too. Uh, and then I've got one called iPad Law, which is like forms, uh, continuing education materials, whatever, you know, stuff I want to put in that's related to the law practice. And then I've got another one for the new book. I've I've got a um, a funny thing I'm doing in the new book, so I wanted to have a, a synced folder for those documents. So I've got four there, so I can choose from each one every time I download. But it's it's really easy. You just tap the button, and you're good to go. Yeah, and and we should stress that this doesn't have to be PDFs. I mean, keep in mind that we talked about all the different types of of files that Goodreader will support: PDF, text, Office, HTML, iWork, audio, video, blah blah. You know it. I use PDFs because I use a lot of PDFs, but it can be any of those types of files. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do you sync any other? I mean, I used to do this with iDisk, but now that I use iDisk so rarely, I don't. But you could. You'd like sync a whole folder? Yeah, no. but I don't use iDisk that much anymore. No, I don't. Um, I use iDisk still for syncing uh, iWork documents because that allows you to do it there. Right, and, I'm pl- and I guess I I lied. I do have two sync folders. I have one personal called iPad, and then I have one on my Dropbox called Work. So yeah, and two. and I'm still playing with DropDav, which is a WebDav service for Dropbox. So that's yeah. So that's pretty cool. So what you can do with DropDav, uh, depending on you know, we talked about DropDav in our Dropbox show, is you can save anything that supports the WebDav format, which the Apple um, iWork apps do. So pages, numbers, and Keynote. You can once you set up DropDav to work with your Dropbox account, you can um, save to the DropDav server. You set it up once and it remembers it, and then you can save it directly to your Dropbox. So if you're, let's say you're creating a Pages file, you know Pages will let you either export as Word, it will let you export as PDF, or it will let you export um, Word, PDF, or Pages. I guess those are the three options, and you can save that within Pages on the iPad to DropDav in any of those three formats and save it into any folder on your Dropbox, and then it's in Goodreader. I mean, there are other ways that you could get it in Goodreader, but if you also wanted to share it with other people through Dropbox or things like that, you know, that's one way to do it as well. Yeah. I'm thinking about setting up a um, uh, a Dropbox account on my assistance machine to share files when I'm away. Kind of like the way I do with a separate account, but exactly. shared, yeah. That's a good idea. Um, the, another thing you can do with the syncing in Goodreader is you can make it bidirectional, where you sync both both forwards and backwards, like I was talking about earlier, the earlier example. Or you can make it, you know, uh, unidirectional, where it just pulls down. And so you could have a Dropbox or a, a server space somewhere with the iPads all connected to it, and you could make that kind of like a distributed uh, form or memo center for your work. So everybody could just sync in and download what's ever in that folder. So like if you had a weekly memo or a calendar memo or something, uh, you could put it in that folder. Everybody would log on with their iPads, push the sync button, and all that stuff would come down to them. But if they annotated it or made changes, it wouldn't go back up to the server. So it's a document distribution system, which, again, is really cool. I mean, I don't think there's anything else on the iPad that does this. Right. Yeah, It. in my opinion, it's really... The file management substitution that Apple forgot. Yeah. Okay, so it, it covers all these things, but it also is at its you know hard a PDF uh, viewing, manipulating, and annotating program. 
So okay. if you open a, um, a PDF file, then all those two panes disappear and you actually get back to a, a traditional PDF reader. Okay. It's got a lot of tools, though, when you do that. So if you open a PDF, you know, not only does it give you the ability to just view it, but it gives you the ability to work with and annotate. So um, let me see here. I'm going to open one up so I can kind of look at it as I talk through this stuff because there's a lot going on. <laughs> when you first and, open And we should talk that it, it manages PDFs very effectively. I mean, Goodreader can flawlessly open gigantic PDFs, you know, entire manuscripts worth of PDFs. Yeah, I mean, one of my workflows is I create massively sized PDFs with all the documents relevant to something I'm working on. And I use the bookmarking features to make sure that, you know, everything is indexed and easily found. But then I like to be able to search all of the documents at once by making it one PDF file. And I've never had Goodreader give me any trouble with that. But to be honest, some of its competitors really never gave me trouble with that that issue either. But but when you open it, so you it shows you your PDF file, and the the top of the the bar is is the name of the file, and it also gives you an arrow to go back to the management window that we've been essentially talking about. And the left side is a scroll bar where you can tap and hold and pull down, and you can jump to various pages in your document. It doesn't really have the uh, the features like you know in Pages for the iPad, where as you pull down the scroll bar, it gives you a preview of the page you're on. It doesn't have stuff mm-hmm. like that, but it, it does have the ability to see what page you want to jump to, and you can just jump there, which I think is pretty cool. But the uh, the real tools are the bottom toolbar in Goodreader, and there's a bunch of them. Um, uh, so just about anything you can you can need to do with a PDF, you can do through the those uh, those tools. Yeah. What should we should we talk through them? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Let's just talk to them. Okay. Um, and and this is to the extent that we can on the audio podcast. Yeah, I know. I mean, so we'll just kind of give you an idea what they are. There's a tool there that, like, I guess it's come with a day night button or something, and it, it it automatically dims it very quickly. So if you're reading it in a dark place and you want to dim it, you just touch a button. It's got a back button that lets you go back in your browsing history. So if you jump from page one to sixteen, but you want to go back to page one, you just hit the back button and it takes you back. Um. It has got a really cool text um, tool that will look at a PDF file. And if you've if you got a file that's hard to read, but it's got a text file embedded in it, and a lot of PDF files do, um, it will extract the text and just show it to you in a text window and get rid of the PDF. Right. That's called the PDF reflow button. And it, it does it on a page-by-page basis. So um, you do have to do it every time on a different page. But you can also, you know, take that text and then... Copy it out or do something with it. Yeah, and in order to again for that to work, it's got to have OCR before it gets in there. There's nothing on the iPad, to my knowledge, that will do OCR for you. So that needs to happen before it gets to the iPad. Um, right. There's an orientation. Maybe with PDF Pen. What? I said maybe with PDF Pen. Well, yeah, on your Mac will do it. PDF Pen does OCR. Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. so you open yeah. up, and that's that's exactly how I do it. I've got these big PDF files, and I just run the OCR and PDF Pen. And then I save it to Dropbox, and then when it gets to the iPad, it's already got text in it. Um, the uh, There's an orientation button, so you can put two pages at once, turn them left, turn them right, however you want to lay the pages out on your screen, top to bottom, right, right to left. Um, there's a button for... Um, uh, cr- cropping. Yeah, exactly, cropping, which is kind of neat because it's a, it's a nice window. It opens up and... And separates your page, and you can get rid of extra margins, which I think is kind of important on the iPad because if you've got a page with huge margins, 
and you only have so much screen space to begin with, so it doesn't hurt to crop them. Right, and you can also auto-crop some things. You know, if you've got um, a manuscript or text of a book, I know that I end up sometimes um, getting uh, like a, a smaller book that has been copied onto 8.5 by 11 size paper, and they've just done one page on one page. So I've got this full 8.5 by 11 size scan doc, but yet the text is actually just in the middle of it. You can You can auto-crop it so that it will just crop out and you'll just deal with the text. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, there's a button for bookmarks, outlines, and annotations where you can keep mm-hmm. track of all that stuff. Uh, I think bookmarks and outlines are, are really a useful tool if you haven't played with them before. If you've got long PDFs, you know, go ahead and bookmark and annotate them with the various um, uh, page marks where you're at in the, in the PDF, especially on the iPad where it's difficult to scroll and fling things around when you're in front of people. Having everything bookmarked really is helpful. I mean, I think I talked about this once before. I'm not sure if it was on this show or if it was at the tech show I just spoke at. But uh, did I talk about how I made a guy look really dumb with Goodreader yes. recently? Yeah. Okay, it was the show then. <laughs> I'll skip that. But that was just because I had everything bookmarked and outlined. Um, the um, uh, There's a go-to-page thing where you can just type in a page number. It'll jump to that. That's also like using the scroll bar to the left side of the screen. And there's a search function. And it's interesting. Goodreader has two, really two different search beasts. Uh, the first one is on the file management, you know, the first screen we were talking about earlier. You can search like the file names, which is great, uh, but it won't search the file contents. You can't type in a word and have it search every PDF on your uh, Goodreader app for the contents of a particular word. But once you're in a PDF, you can use a search function that will search the words from within that specific document. Okay. And, um, what else has it got? We've got a oh, it's got a, an open in you know the universal kind of open in icon that allows you to open it in other applications. So if you're playing with Goodreader and you want to go try it with another PDF app, you tap that and you can get there. And it also that's where you get the option to flatten the annotations in it, and uh, it's got a rotation lock as well. So right. if, yeah, but not in open in. Not only can you just flatten, but you can email the file. You can email the summary. You can print the file, which I've kind of been playing with with Printopia a little bit. Yeah, and but all those features I think are common yeah, to most those PDF are apps. Standard. I mean, uh, it, it, I think what makes Goodreader special is that it's just the combination all of them without breaking entirely. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine how they they pull that off when you think about it, and it, it kind of is reflected in the the user interface, which isn't that great in my opinion, but it it at least does a lot of of stuff for you. Right. Okay, and then there's annotation. Your favorite. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I'm not a big fan of annotation really? in Goodreader. Um, I, I'm, that's the, I think that's a weakness of this app. Um, it, it, there's no shortage of annotation tools available in Goodreader. I mean, I think it does just about everything you could do to a PDF. But just the way it works, I'm not really, I don't really care for that much. Um, you know, you have to, in order to annotate, you have to have OCR already in the document. And then you just tap and hold on a word. And then you get the selection handles, and you can select, you know, a sentence or you know, however much text you want. And as you do that, it gives those little um, popover buttons that you get, you know, in throughout the uh, the iPad experience. And it has different options. You know, you want to draw on it or annotate it or whatever. And you can, and then that that you touch that button, and then it gives you additional options like highlighting. Um, sticky notes. And there's all these things you can do, but everything involves multiple taps. Okay. And uh, so, 
I, I'm not really sold on it. I'm, I'm looking, frankly, right now for a complementary app to use with Goodreader for heavy-duty annotation. When I want to read a 50-page contract, I don't want to have to tap the screen four times every time I need to do something. I want to be able to just you know highlight or do whatever. So I'm looking at other apps. But the in the meantime, uh, there this thing does not have any shortage of tools for annotation. I just don't think getting there is very easy. And I'm not sure that I have really the answer. I mean, who the heck am I? I haven't written any apps. But... As a user, this one kind of gets on my nerves when I annotate a lot. Right. And do you, do you do your annotation in Goodreader? I do very minimal in annotation, actually. Oh. Um, I may throw a sticky note on something or, um, you know, I may highlight something. But I, I don't, you know, Goodreader has the ability to do a lot of annotations. You've got sticky notes. You've got text highlights. You can do typewriter notes. You can do text boxes with callouts. You can do freehand drawings. You can, you know, draw little smiley faces on something if you want to. You know, lines, arrows, shapes, text underlines, strikeouts. You can insert words and replacement more. I mean, you can do all that stuff within Goodreader. Um, I probably limit my annotations maybe to arrows, usually to underlines and highlightings, and maybe to typewriter notes. But I, I don't use a whole lot of annotations. Well, it's got... Or a whole lot of different types of annotations. Yeah, like it's got the squiggly line annotation, you know, for um, for putting yeah. under words. I found that one doesn't show up very well all the time. Okay. Well, that's one I haven't seen in most other competitors. It's got the cross out and the replace. I mean, it's got all of the stuff that I like to use. Uh, but mm-hmm. once again, I'm just I'm just looking. So I'm just counting through as I as I talk about this. So selecting a sentence takes me the first the tap to select the sentence, then the second tap to drag the the start and end bars to highlight the whole sentence. So that's at least two or three taps at that point. Then I can highlight with the third tap or the fourth tap, depending on how you do it. And if you want to mark up or draw, it's actually another two taps. And it just I think it's tedious and. Uh, I'm not saying that they need to put all these tools out on the window because I think Goodreader has got as much as it can take. But uh, there may be room in my workflow for another app to do that annotation stuff. But if you're just going to do selective, limited annotation, you can do it all here. I mean, there's, there's, you're not going to run out of tools, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, I don't know that I've, I've experienced. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe your definition of tap and my definition of tap are are different, but. Um, you know, I didn't notice that it was that many taps to annotate on Goodreader. I mean, I just, you know, it's, I tap to select it, like, you know, just like I was copying and pasting something, you know, I tap and hold to select something. Um, and then it's really, to me, no more of a step than it is to copy or paste it to highlight it. Yeah. It's the same amount of steps to do that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I'm looking at some other apps. I don't want to talk about on this show because I haven't played with them enough to really publicly say I like or dislike them, but there are some apps where you just have a highlighter and you drag your finger across the screen and it highlights. Oh, well, you know, I wouldn't put it past the Goodreader folks as quick as they are updating and adding updates to things for them to, you know. Yeah, who knows? Who (laughs) Who knows? knows? (laughs) Okay, Um, so uh, I guess the point of this section of our talk is that there's really no limit on what you can do with Goodreader in terms of managing and annotating your PDFs. Right. You know, I have had a lot of people write back and say they like I annotate. You may want to check that out. Yeah, it's one of the ones I'm looking at. Okay. One of the ones. All right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about how we use Goodreader? But before we do that, how about we take a, a brief moment to talk about our next sponsor, 1Password? Sure. 
I had an interesting experience with 1Password this past week. Um, I do a presentation at a local Mac, my local Mac users group, and uh, we'd like to talk a lot about um, current events, and we talked about the great you know, Epsilon security breach. And I was talking to them about the importance of using strong, secure passwords and how you know, you know, security breaches are really going to be the thing that's, that's happening in the future, and if one site gets compromised and you're, you're using the same password across multiple sites or you're using that guessable password or you're using passwords um, that relate to you or that would be easy to guess or that someone can, you know, by looking at your Facebook page, put together enough information to know enough about you to put together a password or you're using a dictionary word or something like that, um, that you're really putting yourself at risk and not just the site that necessarily gets compromised, um, but also all of the other sites that you use that have that same password. Um, and I know that that doesn't necessarily relate to the current Epsilon security breach, but we were just talking, you know, security in general in this this brave new world that we're becoming a part of. So what did I talk to them about? You know, I talked to them about 1Password and the fact that, um, you know, with 1Password, they make it very easy to use strong passwords, that you can generate random passwords. There's no excuse for using the same password over and over again across multiple sites. And... I love my Mac users group to death, but they're not always the the most, they are not on the technical level as the typical Mac power users audience. Um, and I was really happy at the, at the end of the talk, we always do um, a raffle drawing and we had a couple of copies of one password there to give away. And uh, we also had a couple of iTunes gift cards. We had a $50 iTunes gift card and every single copy of one password got stomped up by that Mac users group before anything else went. They were so excited um, about this product and to start getting to use it. And, you know, the proof was in the pudding. Two days later after my talk, unfortunately, our email list got spammed by one of our members whose accounts got compromised. And once he got it, everything back together, he came back on the list and he said, I haven't got together and started using 1Password yet. I know, I'm sorry. So <laughs> It's a great app. So what 1Password does is it creates real secure passwords for you and then it remembers them for you so as long as you remember your one password you know kind of one password to rule them all uh, you're good to go and it syncs with your iPads your iPhones Androids Windows it's they've they've got apps on all the platforms so uh, you can have the security and keep it in your pocket as well uh, you can get it for your Mac for $40 or you can get a family license for 5 users for 70 uh, they have an iOS hybrid version, which gives you both a native iPad and iPhone version for $15, or you can buy one for either for $10 each. And uh, it's a great application. We're really thrilled to have them as a sponsor and thank them for supporting the Mac Power users. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, you can find more information about them at onepassword.com. Okay, so uh, so how do you use Goodreader, Katie? I'm kind of impressed looking at the outline. It looks like you've got a lot of stuff going on here. All right. Well, I'll I'll skip over some of the more um, generic uses that we've already talked about. I use Goodreader a lot, um, you know, for work and for all the traditional uses that we talked about in terms of, you know, managing files and PDFs and syncing data. And, you know, that's that's all cool. That's very useful, you know, boring kind of texty PDF stuff. We, we've sufficiently covered that in the podcast. Um, one thing that I that I use Goodreader for, and I have to give a hat tip to Dave Hamilton of the Mac Geek Gab for turning me on to this, um, is I use Goodreader as a poor woman's slingbox. Are you familiar with the slingbox product? Sort of. I don't have one, but I know generally what no, it is. No, I don't have I don't have one either. Yeah. Um, 
But basically what the Slingbox is, is it's a product that you connect to whatever, you know, entertainment equipment that you have in your house. And if you if you travel a lot, which I don't, thankfully, but it broadcasts, you know, whatever you're watching to wherever you happen to be. Um, well, I don't, you know, travel that much to, to use it, but I travel enough and I tend to find myself, you know, alone at night in hotel rooms with nothing to do and a lot of time on my hands. And I'm actually got a trip coming up. So, um, what I do is I use Goodreader. I, I use my TiVo and I use an app called iTiVo that I've talked about quite extensively on this show. And I use Dropbox. I'm, I think this is all pretty above board. Okay. Um, and I, uh, uh, I, I remote access using the log me in app on my iPad, you know, into a Mac on my home, on my network that's fired up. And I use iTivo to transfer shows. You could also do this with the official TiVo sponsored app to transfer shows off of my, uh, TiVo onto my Dropbox. So, you, you know, you gotta have a big enough Dropbox to do this. I usually only do one or two shows at a time because I do it like overnight or during the day while I'm at a conference for whatever's recorded that night. So I, I transfer the shows and code them off my TiVo onto my Dropbox. And then what I do is I pull them out of my Dropbox into Goodreader. Because remember, we said that Goodreader can support any file format that the iPad can read. Yeah, including video. Including video. So come back in, and I've got my TiVo shows on my iPad in Goodreader. All queued up, ready to go. Also, you could, if you wanted, if you were heading out the door on a trip... You could just drag a few shows into Dropbox, I guess, right? And just have them there. Straight out of iTunes, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I do that with shows that I've queued up before I've left. Yeah. But this is like stuff with while I'm on the road. You know, let's say I've queued up a few while I've gone. I've watched those on the plane. And now I'm sitting in the hotel room with nothing to watch tomorrow night. You know, it's funny. I, this is just kind of an aside, but I, I never watch movies when I go on trips. I, always, I just was in Chicago for a few days and had an awesome time, by the way. If there's any attorneys listening, I highly recommend hitting the, uh, the ABA tech show in Chicago. But anyway, so I was there. I never watch anything on my iPad. <laughs> I just never get around to it. I guess I'm too busy. Oh, maybe I have no life. But... um. You know, I mean, it doesn't make sense to do that. You know, certainly it makes more sense to queue up your shows you can before you leave. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and load them up. But this is kind of like while you're there. I like that, though. So if it's, it's out, nice it, and it's, nerdy, too. You can get, it's you know, nice and dirty. Yeah. I mean, why, why spend a buck ninety nine to download a show off of iTunes when you can spend, you know, six hours of your time coming up with a geeky solution? Well, you don't even need to do that. We're, we're giving it to you. Just go out there and install it. You're good to go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now it does it does take some bandwidth, it does take some time and you know, hotel hotel bandwidth your mileage may vary. Yeah. And then you also do podcasts on your iPad? I do. So you want me to tell my po- your my podcast stream? Yeah. I th- I think Merlin mentioned this as well. Um I do this more on my iPhone than my iPad cuz I don't have the 3G iPad. And there is um, a good reader I, version for the uh, iPhone as well. For the iPhone. Yeah. And I still have that unlimited data plan on my iPhone. Okay. I, I did not give that up. I did. I did. But, but, you know, we talked about how Goodreader has that ability that you can download from a URL on a website. Yeah. Well, if you go to most websites related to podcasts, ours included, or if you can get into the RSS feed for a website, which you can from most mobile web browsers, you will find links to download the actual episode. And if you notice on our website at MacPowerUsers.com, we always put that. There's always a link at the bottom of the show where you can direct download the show from our website. Um, and I should mention as an aside real quick, 
that iTunes only keeps the last so many episodes of our podcast. I think it's 50 by default. So as we create more, some episodes will fall off. So good to know if you're ever looking for any of the older episodes and, and they're not on iTunes. But anyway, um, you know, Apple has this limit of it will only download, I think it's 10 gigs over 3G. Yeah, or 10 megabytes. 10 megabytes, ah, yes, 10 megabytes. 10 gigabytes gigabytes would be pretty cool. 10 gigabytes would be fine. That would be no problem. (laughs) I'd even give them nine. I'd even take nine. Yeah, nine would be fine. But I've run into this issue, um, and I don't know if it's because Goodreader is kind of streaming it and can't tell how big it is, or AT&T can't tell how big it is. And maybe it's because it hasn't fully loaded, but I have successfully downloaded, and again, your mileage may vary, I have successfully downloaded via Goodreader, via the web, podcasts over 10 megabytes into Goodreader now, see, when I was on 3G. Yeah, I, I think I may, be, I may be wrong on this, but as I understand, that 10 megabyte limit is only for downloading data from iTunes, essentially, so, yeah. or, or apps. Which right. may be a little higher, but uh, either way, it's not much. So if you're just downloading pure data, essentially through your browser, there's mm-hmm. there's no uh, there's no governor on that. There's no cap. So mm-hmm. you're gonna- so if you've got bandwidth, and and now I don't know when the last time is I was in an area that I had good enough bandwidth that I could download that much stuff, but whatever. And, you know, Merlin, that's another issue. You know, Merlin talked about that. Then you had written about this. I, I've never done any of that stuff. I mean, I, I don't listen to that many podcasts, and I'm usually okay waiting till the next time it syncs to my my iTunes. And I like the ability that you know it gets rid of the ones I've listened to and adds the new ones. So I'm I'm kind of okay with the Apple ecosystem for that. But I can see why. David, if work. you're on the road and a new episode of Mac Power Users comes out, you need to download oh, there it you immediately go. and listen. That's, that's a good reason. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Because I couldn't now you you know, have to listen to myself more because I'm such an <laughs> egomaniac. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. Actually, yeah. do you listen to the show? I don't listen to the, to all of them, frankly. I, I listen to them when I edit them. Yeah. Well, it makes I me – I listen I to my them. voice and I'm like, what, an, what a dork. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't listen to it if I didn't edit it. <laughs> anyway, we digress. What do you use Goodreader for? Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of the vanilla Goodreader user. I, I use it primarily for uh, PDFs and I think it really, you know – does a great job with those PDFs that I use it for. And I love it the way it organizes them. I love the way I can make easily make folders and subfolders on the fly from within the app. And the sync button makes me smile every time I touch it. So I, I'm not I was expecting some like magical tip. No, I, I don't have one, but we're going to sit here until you come. No, up with I, I just don't have one. I just think it's a great app for what it does. But I, and I've gotten over the fact that I, I don't like the shade of green. I don't like the icon and I don't like a lot of, the, I don't like all the buttons and I don't like the way it looks like a, you know, an airplane cockpit when you turn it on, but I don't care because it does the stuff I need it so well. So I, I just use it mainly for PDFs. I haven't kind of, uh, gone down the road of using it for all the other file formats that it covers because most of that stuff I have covered anyway, and I'm boring and I don't watch a lot of movies and don't listen to a lot of podcasts. All right then. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Um, if if our listeners have tips on Goodreader beyond what we've already discussed, is there something they should do with those? They should. Yeah, they, they there is something they should do. Okay. They should leave a comment. They should leave a comment on the blog post so that everybody can can benefit. We're going to share, yeah, right. Because okay. when you send us an email, it's great. But you know, sometimes we don't get time to talk about all the emails. But if you put it on the blog, put it on a comment there, it's there for the whole world. 
Yeah. Did we talk about how Goodreader can zip and unzip files? I thought that was pretty cool. So if you're on the road and you somebody emails you a, a file that you can't read because all you're traveling with is your iPad, you can pull it into Goodreader and unzip it. Yeah, save my bacon just recently. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And Goodreader makes a pretty decent ebook reader, too. You know, if it's an unencrypted PDF or unencrypted ebook that it can read. Yeah, or if it's just a PDF file and you just want to flip it. Well, that's through. what I meant. Yeah, yeah, PDF. Although, once again, I think for that, I still prefer iBooks. Yeah, probably. All right. Hey, let's, t- let's cover our last sponsor. All right. Our last sponsor is the Omni Group. Yeah. And, you know, something we haven't really mentioned is that Omni Group was one of the first companies to really embrace the iPad when it came out. I mean, I was at Macworld 2010. They had little fiberglass iPad mock-ups. They were that was so yeah. cute. And they had little pieces of paper they'd cut out, and they'd move them around to figure out how the menu items were because nobody had an iPad. And, you know, even the software developer, kit, I think, was pretty pretty young at that point. So, anyway, these guys have been there since the beginning. They've got some great iPad apps. They've got OmniGraffle, which is like a probably the best diagramming app for the Mac transformed for the iPad, and it really is transformed. The controls are finger-based and touch-based. They really went back to square one, which I think is kind of setting the standard for other developers. They have Omni, and that's $50 in the uh, in the iPad app store. They have OmniGraph Sketcher, which mm-hmm. is like, um, I guess, graphing on steroids. You know, always you have graphing applications that are based on PowerPoint or numbers. Well, these guys said, let's just make an application that just does graphing and allow people to add emphasis and draw lines and do other stuff that is is nearly impossible from within these very expensive uh, number crunching applications and they did it for 15 bucks you can do it on your iPad. And then finally is my beloved OmniFocus which is uh, you know I, I really think that uh, they uh, the Omni group figured out the iPad with OmniFocus. It's probably one of the best apps on the iPad, and it takes advantage of what's good and bad about the um, uh, about the iPad. It's $40. It's not cheap, but it's a really great, powerful task management system, and I highly recommend it. And that, again, is all at the uh, iPad App Store. If you just search for the developer Omni Group, you can find all of them. All right. Very cool. And thanks, Omni Group, for sponsoring the Mac Power users. Absolutely. Okay, uh, so let's get to some feedback. Right. Um, um, go ahead. You first. <laughs> we had a lot of feedback about the Merlin episode. There were a ton of comments about the Merlin episode. Um, and we had a couple of bits of feedback that I wanted to address before we got too far into the, the feedback loop. Um, I had a couple of people uh, comment on the blog post as, as well as email me privately and say, Katie, where were you during the Merlin episode? What what happened? Because there was a long stretch of about an hour or so in the in the show. It was a long show. It was about two and a half hours um, where I didn't say anything or much. I didn't say much. And um, I wasn't going to say anything until I got some, some comments from people, but I, I just wanted to, to explain it for what it was worth. And, and here's the story. It's a silly story, but here we go. Um, you know, I we, we recorded the Merlin episode in the middle of the day. Um, For me, I'd taken off work and I'd come home and cleared my calendar and, uh, you know, made all of my plans to come do Merlin and uh, turned off my phone and all that other kind of good stuff. And unfortunately, about 30 minutes into the podcast, my doorbell rings and um, I think it's the FedEx guy. I'm expecting a FedEx package and sometimes it's wonky and they don't leave things if I don't answer it. So So, so when that happened, you had to mute it and leave. Yeah, Yeah. I muted it and I, I ran to get what I thought was the FedEx guy. 
The problem is, is it wasn't the FedEx guy. Um, it was the electrician. It was the electrician that I had been waiting on for two weeks, uh, who was supposed to have come the day before, who no-showed on me. Uh, the electrician who was supposed to, to fix my cooling in my house. And it's 90 degrees here in Florida, folks. So that's kind of a call that you don't want to miss. Um, so I had, unfortunately, not one but two electricians in my house working literally right above my head, banging around for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes during the Merlin episode. You know, I had to deal with them. And I debated for a long time, you know, do I send them away? I tried to send them away. We had words about that. Where were they the day before? Oh, we're going to charge you a fee. I wasn't worried about that. I was more concerned that if I didn't deal with them, that I would never get them back. Because if you've ever had work done in your house, you know, you know how that can go. So I was there. Um, Unfortunately, I was sitting on mute most of the time because I had these two guys in the room above me. Um, you know, drilling and banging, and thankfully they got the problem fixed, but um, uh, unfortunately I had to sit on mute a good bit of the time, fearful to say much because um, there would be all that background noise. And then you're sending me private messages in Skype saying, you know, keep going, I can't talk right now, or i got to leave the room. So so I'm holding on for dear life while Merlin does what Merlin does, you know. (laughs) And and Merlin had it. Merlin was fine. Merlin was fine, and I was talking to David through the back channels, and thank you, David, for – for taking the reins on that. And thank you, Merlin, for being so cool about it. And I apologize. In retrospect, I should have said to heck with it and and gotten rid of the electricians. I thought it was going to be a quick thing. So I apologize. That's where and, I was. And next year, Katie will be stomping all over me and Merlin, I'm sure. Yeah, I promise. I'm already working on the outline. All right. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, that's great. And uh, so now it's explained. Um, uh, the uh, Somebody wrote me about podcast cast subscription saying, Hey, I need to try out this Instacast, which is an app for the iPhone and I guess iPad. I think it was a couple bucks I bought. It's pretty cool. It kind of follows up on this note we were having about, you know, remotely accessing, uh, I, I, um, podcasts and this is, it streams the podcast. It does essentially what we're talking about with good reader, but it just kind of makes it pretty and does the RSS for you. And that's pretty cool. I, I tried it when I was in Chicago, there was a couple podcasts I want to listen to and I was far away from my Mac. So I was able to download them. Uh, you got to have a, a web connection for it to work, though, so not so good on the airplane. Um, we also got a note on Dropbox security, um, and I'm going to uh, stick a link in the show notes because I'm not going to do this justice in explaining it. It's a pretty long article. Uh, but Bruce sent along a link to an InfoWorld post who questioned Dropbox security and a potential vulnerability um, to, that would allow you to potentially access Dropbox files simply by copying the config.db file. Um, this is not the first post that has raised concerns about the security of Dropbox. You know, so especially depending on the types of files you're going to be storing up there. I, I use Dropbox. I've I've done a lot of research into it, but you know, certainly you have to do your own level of comfort. I personally don't put client files uh, that are super confidential into Dropbox. But there's a link in the show notes. You can you can take a look at it and um, and see what you think. And just just be aware and, and fully research and make sure that you make the right decision for you. Yes. Um, you know, and as Dropbox gains in popularity, you know, its security is going to be under more scrutiny. And hopefully that will make it better. Yeah. Martin wrote, said he really liked the first screencast for the uh, OmniFocus. And uh, he says, is this going to become more common at Mac Power users? And you know what? It might. It just might. 
We'll see. Yeah, we got a lot of feedback about yeah, that. Yeah, by the time this airs, in theory, there should be two of them out. <laughs> there's a little uh, slowdown right now, but we're working on it. And um, uh, there's there, if not, it's coming. Yeah, there's three of these. I mean, the second one is is very nearly done as we record this. It's 50 minutes. It's going to be lots of OmniFocus, you know, craziness. And uh, then there'll be a third one in the OmniFocus series, and that'll be done. Uh, you know, we're we're talking to uh, some of the software developers and people, and we're you know we may be adding more screencasts. If we do, we really want to keep it free, like everything else we're doing here. So uh, that's that's part of it, and it's a heck of a lot of work putting them together. So uh, we'll figure it out, but uh, it's certainly on the table at this point. Thanks, Martin. Yeah. Uh, we got an email from Michelle, and I followed up with her a little bit on this, and I'll I'll clip it a little bit, but basically here's what she's trying to do. Um, she's trying to rename files based on URL with Hazel and then take it a step further by tagging those files for future record retentions. And she has no problem doing this with Hazel using Tagit. Here's her problem. She's trying to tag files that are inside an encrypted disk image because you know she wants to use a secure sparse disk image for security reasons. Now, even when the disk image is open, she cannot see the tags. And this surprised me. I thought you would be able to see the tags when the disk image is open. So I don't know, David, if you have any ideas or if we maybe throw this out as what, I don't know, geek challenge. Is that's what the geek gags call it? Yeah. yeah. With a, um, with a she's tip of the hat to a Dave Hamilton Dave and John Brown. Dave and John. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe would another encryption method like TrueCrypt or something like that be better for her? But she wants to tag. She wants to tag securely within an encrypted system. I would have thought that your tags would have showed up within a, within a sparse image as so long as that image was mounted. Doesn't sound like that's working for uh, Michelle. So if anybody has any thoughts, let us know. I'm officially flummoxed. Yeah. Um, okay, we also heard uh, from several listeners talking about using iTunes as I mean, using Dropbox as the iTunes or the iPhoto store. I said in theory yeah. you could do that if your library was small enough or you had enough space with Dropbox. I've had um, several listeners write in saying they tried it and they weren't happy with the results. There were uh, permissions errors and various problems. So uh, I'm not sure that one is really ready for prime time yet. So in the yeah. list of things you can do with Dropbox, let's say. Uh, Let's put a question mark over that one. Okay. Question. All right. So uh, so how do you contact us, Katie? Well, you can find this and everything we talked about on our website. That's at www.macpowerusers.com. Yes, and you can also send us email at feedback at macpowerusers.com. You can also send us an audio comment to our Google Voice number. That number is 706-454-6937 or 706-45-POWER. There's a link on our website. And you can um, get us a message at Twitter. Uh, it's uh, at MacPowerUsers for the show. Katie's Twitter is at Katie Floyd, and mine is at Max Sparky. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash at MacPowerUsers. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable how many comments uh, people are making on the Facebook uh, MacPowerUsers page. Oh, so you're liking the Facebook thing I didn't now. say that, but it's remarkable. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And we love iTunes comments. You know, we're... Um, Gosh, Victor has got us beat on iTunes comments. I think we need to start a little comment war with Victor. Oh, no. We just like him, though. It does help us get in front of new listeners. <laughs> so uh, you can send us a, a comment on iTunes. We really appreciate that. Uh, special thanks to our sponsors, Smile, 1Password, and the Omni Group. We could not do the show without them. And, David, what's next? Uh, we're going to get a little broader next show. We're going to talk about um, the Mac maintenance. 
We uh, haven't done that one yet. Right. I'm surprised after these years. I, you know, I, I keep thinking that we have, but I went back and checked. We yeah, okay, so we're going to cover Mac maintenance, uh, talk about the latest tools and what's going on. And uh, so we're going to get geeky with our Macs next episode. Send us your favorite uh, tools and questions for Mac maintenance, and we will see you then.